0: But as we've been speaking through the entirety of this month, you know, uh, you know, what is it? This is our fourth Sunday in here already, and how how much time is flying by, how much time is going by. Uh, but here we are, we're, we're, we, we've just hit the pinnacle, we've hit the halfway mark uh, between this week, last week and this week, uh, with the series that we're talking about. And 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 I don't want to take a lot of time recapping this morning, uh, but I do want us to understand that there's there was a call that that David had called Solomon of, of a way of a lifestyle that he had to live to be able to do the extraordinary that God had uh, for his uh, uh, for his presence to dwell in, and then David presented the plans, not David's plans, but the plans that God had wrote that God. God had desired, and we put that in the same reference to each one of us. That it doesn't matter our age, it doesn't matter our color, it doesn't matter our gender, it doesn't matter our physicality. I think that was a word that I made up a couple weeks ago, and maybe I didn't make it up. But because I'm I'm up here and I'm preaching this Sunday. Uh, then I'm still going to use that word as as uh, my word. Uh, so 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 no matter of what the situation is, is no matter how long we've been serving God, n- no matter how long we've been running from God, no matter no matter uh, uh, um. Of what the calling is on our life, God has a plan. And God has destined a plan, not for just of you that are sitting here, but those that may be viewing us online on YouTube or listening to us via podcasts. And so, so God has a plan, and God had orchestrated these plans that Solomon was to build to build this extraordinary thing or this extraordinary thing. And extraordinary means what? Beyond common, beyond normal. And and as we read last week, you know, that, that that David placed the emphasis that mere man could not build this. This was not for the faint at heart if we could just really say it this way. And there's been so many Christians and there's been times in my life where I've been afraid that I've been scared to step up to the plate, to step up to what God has called me to do. But see, the reality is, is because I was scared is because I was warned to do it within my Ability. I wanted to compare myself to how other men did it, but the reality is that when God has put His His stamp of approval on it, that man does not have to approve you with what God has called you to do. And then we, he talked about the cost, that it was going to cost something. Even though God had provided everything that was needed, but yet what the challenge that went forth from the leader, what well, the challenge that went forth from God was, hey, can you give more? God's already provided everything that we need, and we're gonna we're gonna move into the grace aspect of it next week, talking about building the temple. But today, we're going to be talking about building the temple, as you can see on our slide that's up there. Thanksgiving. Well, Pastor, you're a week behind. No, that's God knows exactly what He's doing here. And, and and we've came through the holiday. Each one of us here has spent time with each other uh throughout this week and slash the weekend. Again, thank you for those that, that, that have participated in and everything that's taken place this far. But you know what? We've not even seen anything yet with what God wants to do here. So today we're gonna be talking about a uh, 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 thanksgiving and, and you know and i just can't make these things up all i'm doing is following this many verses and then this many verses and then this many verses as you can see we'll be reading out of first chronicles chapter 29 and the reality of that this is the last chapter of first chronicles first chronicles chapter 29 And if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, you can follow on the screen. If you want our notes afterwards, I can get you my notes. Uh, That way you got them. Then you've got something that you can feast off throughout the week uh, that, that you can take and you can do maybe your daily devotion on and just continue to feed off of this. But I want to read to you for time's sake here today if we could because as always I have uh, an, a, a super amount of scripture. You know I was just back there and our sound person, I'm not I'm not going to say who knows names, but our sound person said 18 slides. I'm like yeah 18 slides. I'm not looking at the sound person. But but if you already know, if, if I can present to you, if you go to the blueprints, if you're building something, if you're trying to... Uh, put put something together. See, what was it that I was putting together that I needed the instructions on? I, I needed something the other week, you know, and then uh, we, we men, sometimes we don't like to refer to the instructions because, hey, I know how to do this. I'm a man. I can just look at the picture and I can put it together. But you know what? The reality is, is I put the, a table that we put in the bathroom the other day, but you know what I did? There was one board that I put on backwards. And you know what? The first thing that somebody realized that piece don't look right and i'm like how do you see that you see and it wasn't that i didn't read the instructions but i didn't look further into the details of of what because the picture wasn't always so plain to understand on that behalf you know so 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 with that being said i want us to understand shoe fly don't bother me that that the scripture itself cannot lie. So read along with me, if you will, First Chronicles chapter twenty-nine, verses ten through twenty. Then David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly. O Lord, the God of our and of our ancestors Israel, may you be praised forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory. And the majesty, you see, David was, he was just being uh, super extraordinary in his praise here because he could have just said, oh Lord, the praise is yours forever, amen. But what he wanted to do was he wanted to expound and he wanted to put these words so that the whole congregation could hear. So so, so we're going to come with a bunch of scripture today so that you can hear the extraordinary of God's word. So your praise, the Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty everything in the heavens and on earth is yours oh Lord and this is your kingdom you see David was king but David understand Lord that you've Put me here. This is your kingdom. You are the one that delegates. You are the one who puts people in authority. We see that in Acts chapter 13, I believe it is. Uh, And then he continues on. He said, we adore you as the one who is above all things. Wealth and honor come from you alone. For you rule over everything. Power and might are in your hands. And at your discretion, people are made great and given strength. Oh, our God, we thank you. We praise your glorious name. Verse fourteen. But who am I, and who are your people that we could give anything to you? Because if it already belongs to him, how can we give what already belongs to him? But see the the the, the fact of the matter is is that we're only stewards. We have been we have been destined to be stewards over everything that he actually owns and that he possesses you know we think just because we get a paycheck every week or we might get a social security check or we might get a part of our retirement we think well well, the Lord is only required that I give X amount but the reality is is that he's given it all to you it all belongs to him and we ain't giving him anything that's not already his so when we hold back from him what's already his then what have we done what did Malachi say for you have not robbed me but you have robbed God and you know and see and what the reality is is you're not robbing the church and I'm not just talking about SLM I'm not talking about this church I'm not talking about the church down the road what we've robbed is we've robbed God from what's rightfully His So when we have not given him, now we're just going to move a little bit further beyond the the dollar sign here. Because when you start talking about dollars, people start getting finicky. You see, but the reality is, is that when we've robbed God from his time, it's already his. We, we We've robbed God from blessing the food we, we've robbed God from witnessing the people you see because it's it's all His to start with and and when we've robbed it from God, uh, then we're thinking so much more of ourselves than we are him. let me let me keep going on here before I get to preaching real good here this morning. Everything that you have has come from you, and we give you only what you first gave us. We are here for only a moment, visitors and strangers in the land as our ancestors were before us. Our days on earth are like a passing shadow gone so soon without a trace. You know, that takes my mind back to James, you know, the half brother of Jesus Christ. How, what did he say that our life was like? It's like a vapor, you know, we've all boiled water or we've seen that some type of vapor come from something special on these hot days here in North Carolina. You begin to see things uh, evaporate right before your eyes or in Texas or, or wherever it may be because there, there's just some hot Hot spots, but we've all seen water vaporizing. It's here for just a moment, and then all of a sudden, it's gone. You know, and if we can look at the reality of that, is that that vapor is like a zero time. It's it's. It's gone before you know it, you know, and I've heard time and time again, you know, that my dad would reflect, you know, I remember when when I was a kid, you know, and and, and we're not going to say his age here just for his sake. Uh, of not putting him on the spot but you know I'll even say it for myself 46 years old almost 46 and a half you know and I think back that I remember so much about my youth I remember so many things that my dad would tell me the instructions that he would give me all the instructions that that my mom would give me and, and all the things that the wisdom that my mother would install I in mean you know thank thank goodness I'm not gonna lie to you it's because of my mother's such great cooking in the kitchen i'm just going to be honest with you His where i have picked up a uh I'm not going to say my ability, but to be able to to put my apron on and work in the kitchen a little bit, too. I'm not taking anything away from my dad, you know. And then I think back, you know, uh, when me and my wife first got married, you know, see, as a family, we didn't grill out a lot. But when I got married, it was like, man, every other night we were grilling out at my in-law's house. And then all of a sudden, next thing I know, my father in laws passing me the fork and a knife. I'm gonna go in for a minute, then all of a sudden I look back, I don't see I don't see my father in law cooking no more. He's kinda he passed that torch right along and the reality of that is that you know it it just it seemed like it was yesterday you know it seemed like it was yesterday that I had a head full of hair and couldn't grow a beard and now I can grow a beard and I can't grow no hair on my head and that's perfectly fine I don't have a problem with that whatsoever and I hope you don't either because God still loves me just the way that I am and that, you know, and, and David realized that that what we're doing here is we're just passing through, you know, we're, we're we are not of this world. We are just aliens here. You know, we're just he's just put us here to see how we are going to serve him, because if we can't do it right here. You know we're not going to do it there. You know if we can't praise him here, we're going to have a hard time there. If we have a hard time with loud music or loud sounds or, or the speaking in tongues or, or whatever it may be, we're, we're going to have a problem when we get to heaven. We're going to have a problem. So why not get used to it now? But you know, David understood that it was that this is that zero time. You know, and this time goes so quickly. You know, that we're here one moment and we're gone the next. And so we read in verse 16 here. And he said, Oh Lord, our God, even this material we have gathered to build a temple to honor your holy name comes from you. It all comes from him already. It all belongs to you. Verse 17 said, I know my God that you examine our hearts and rejoice when we find integrity there. You know I have done all these, all of this with good motives. And I have watched your people offer their gifts. Here again, we're seeing this same thing that we spoke about last week. Willingly and joyously. Verse 18. O Lord, the God of our ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, or Isaac and Israel, may your people always want to obey you. See to it that their love for you never change. Give my son Solomon the wholehearted desire to obey all your commandments, laws, and decrees, and do everything necessary to build this temple for which I have made these preparations. Verse 20, Then David said to the whole assembly, Give praise to the Lord your God and the entire assembly. Praise the Lord and the God of their ancestors. They bowed low and knelt before the Lord and the king. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you this morning, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, for this word, Lord, that will be... Transforming, Lord, in our lives. Lord, we thank you for the revelation, Lord, that has already begun to seep through the seams. We thank you, Lord, for the revelation, Lord, that is here to change us into your likeness and your image. Lord, we ask that you would open our ears, Lord. Let us hear what the Spirit has to say to us, the church. Open our eyes, Lord, that we may see, Lord, your word. As I'm reminded in Proverbs, he said, let not my word depart from your eyes. That means we need to be seeing what he's saying. To see it means to have a revelation that we need to have that moment, Lord. Lord, that these words are becoming visual in our life. Lord, help us, Lord, today to visualize your words and to have that revelation that you have for us, Lord, right now. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. I could almost say amen unless we turn out, but but we notice (laughs) that would be too easy, right? But the reality is that, is that we look at this, we, we look and we saw that after the commission, after we saw the plans, after we knew that, hey, this is going to cost me something, and now, I, now my heart's got to be in a position of thanksgiving, of thanksgiving. And, and it's hard to give thanks for something if we're not thankful you know, and as we said that we just came through or in a season of Thanksgiving or being thankful. But the reality of that is that we, we, we have that tendency to think about it because it's been positioned right here before us because we're talking about having a turkey, you know. And, a, and as I gathered with the family on both sides, you know, on, on Thanksgiving Day, we kind of talked about, I said talked about, <laughs> thought about or talked about if, of what are you thankful for and there's so much that we have to be thankful for and the reality is that that list is inexhaustible because if we were to thank him from the time that we woke up until the time that we lay down we could never scratch the surface on everything that he's done for for us even if we thank him for every single breath that we take would we not spend all day thanking him so the question and the reality is here is now we're going to move into what thanksgiving really is so we can clearly see that David's heart fully expressed to God not by just the words he spoke but by his actions because this is exactly what David did here so I want to bring to you a word of thanksgiving and the Greek word for thanksgiving is your um, Eucharistia, Eucharistia. And this word right here here's exactly what it means. It is the expression of gratitude to God. As we look a little deeper below the surface, we can see the word, Expression and what is expressed means to you. when I express my love to you, when I express my gratitude to you, they're not just words. They, they are words that are spoken. But the reality is, is it's an action It's something that's being displayed and something that's on display cannot be unseen. You see, so when we display our thankfulness to God, it's not just a one day out of the year. It's not just a one day out of the week. Can we just really go there? A thankfulness, being thankful. You know, so an expression is an action of display, meaning that it is visible It can be seen, you know, and my mind goes back to the book of Acts, you know, when it's talked about grace, and I know I'm touching on next week's message here a little bit, but did not the disciple, did not the apostle say that that he saw the grace of God? You know, then that tells me that God's grace is visible. So, 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 it, so, so, going back to this, because if I really, I am going to touch on this. We see the word Eucharistia. You see the word that's in the middle. That's charis. Yeah. That's the same word as grace. But we're going to touch on that next week. So come back next week or tune in next week, and we're going to touch on that as Solomon asked for wisdom here. So, so, uh, it is evidential. Our actions. Listen to this. Our actions are the evidence of the spoken thanksgiving to God. The way that we act, the way that we carry ourselves, the way that we treat people, uh, the, the things in which that we do to honor him are, Our actions you know so so if i was to get god forbid i get away from my wife and i begin to act a fool with the buddies or i begin to to flirt with the waitresses and i don't know i'm I'm saying this but i'm using these things that for example you can follow me any time of the day if you wanted to and you're going to see the same james or pastor james that you see right now but if I was to get away from my wife and I began to flirt with someone or if there was a said person and they did such a thing, their actions really prove their love for their wife or for their spouse or vice versa. And, and seeing what happens there is that, is that the, the reality is that your your actions have showed where your heart really is. So it doesn't take long To build a case as we're getting back to our message here. It doesn't take long to build a case when the evidence is stacking up. How many of us ever watch Cold Case Files? Come on, I'm not like my mother-in-law, man. She likes to watch Snap. She likes to watch, uh, we used to watch Unsolved Mysteries back in the days, uh, those type of things. And seeing what happens is when somebody is in the courtroom and they become convicted of a murder or convicted of a crime and see is what happens is the evidence. The evidence has stacked up against them and the evidence has said whether they're guilty or not. And that's the same thing in our life. Our words of thanksgiving is the evidence of how we are living every single day. And 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 this same thing stacked up against David. It was it was it was no coincidence that David was called what? A man after God's own heart. And we're gonna touch onto that here in a little bit. So David was always stated always stated the lordship of God and all of his greatness. David may mention that there was none like God. David's comparison of his statue in reference to God's supremacy placed himself as a servant and a servant would never dare defy who? Their master's authority. Never. David never complained about how how God orchestrated a refinement for David's heart. I've not read that in scripture. If you've read it, please let me know so that I can stand corrected. But I I, I don't see David ever complaining. You know, even after the prophet Nathan had came to David and told him that he was going to lose his son because he had committed adultery, because he had had an affair, because he had had sex outside of his marriage. And because, he, because of that, the consequences was losing his son. And see, and David never complained. Matter of fact, I, I think I recall reading in the scripture that David knelt down before his advisors, that he knelt down before his co-advisors, that he knelt down before his leaders, and he repented before God. You see, in King Saul, on the opposite, he spoke to, to, to the prophet Samuel and said, Hey, man, look. I'm the king. Don't talk to me like this in front of my advisors. Just because you are a man of God, I am the king. And see, and he lost focus of of who had established him. But David, remember who had established him. So, and David never complained about how God orchestrated refinement for David's heart. David would or never, David would or never realized God's goodness if he had been a complainer because the opposite of thanksgiving is what? So guess where this message is going today? Oh, Pastor, please don't go there. No, the Word goes there, so we're going to go there today because it's the opposite of Thanksgiving. Because if we only spend uh, one day a week in Thanksgiving, if we only spend one day a year in Thanksgiving, then what are we doing the remainder of the time So listen to this. Let's keep going. And that's exactly where we are going with today's message. See, I said that in my notes, but I also said that therefore as well. Thanksgiving is not genuine until we have a revelation of who God is. This revelation is to realize God's goodness. Because when we realize his goodness, then we truly are thankful. When we've hit the bottom, we realize there's no way but up. There's nothing to do but to look towards him. We realize that everything that we've ever had has been taken away from us. It's been stripped away from us. And for some people, it takes that they hit the bottom. Some people, it takes death. Some people, it, 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 it takes um, certain situations for them to realize God's goodness. And I just happen to be one of those. I don't want to say victims. But I just happen to be one of those servants as well. As each one of us in here are also. So this revelation is to realize God's goodness. And we cannot worship him until we see him. So we talk talking about when we see him. And that means until we have a revelation of him. We cannot truly worship him. Because worship is defined as what? Obedience. It's the very first time that worship is mentioned in Scripture. In Genesis chapter 15, I believe it is. That Abraham said, me and the lad, or me and the young boy, we're going to go up yonder and we're going to worship but what was he going to go do? He was going to go be obedient to what God had spoken and what God had told him to do. So worship is not a slow song, worship is a lifestyle. Worship is walking in obedience with Him. So we cannot worship Him until we see Him or simply said to have a revelation of Yahweh. So I'd like to make this comparison with the children of Israel that was rescued from slavery from the Egyptians and watered the wilderness for 40 years and why they were called, but why was it called the wilderness? Let's go to Exodus chapter 7. Exodus chapter 7. And it said, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has sent me to tell you. Now, this was Moses speaking to Pharaoh. Has sent me to tell you, let my people go so that they can worship me in the wilderness. You see, but what happened here was that that Pharaoh didn't know what worship was and seeing the children of Israel did not know what worship was but they were going to quickly find out what worship was so this was the reason why they were called to the wilderness they were never called to go to the promised land because if God was to take them straight from slavery into the promise then what would they do they would make the place of the promised land a place of idolatry See, and that's the very same thing that we've been talking about from the beginning. I don't have the slide here today. But why would we want to get to the destination if we've not taken the journey for us to transform us into who he is? So, so why would we want to go to the promised land unless we first go to the wilderness? So, so the wilderness speaks of a place that is dry, is parched, is deserted, is desolate, and it's lonely. I mean, I, the only desert that I've been to, I've been out to uh, uh, Palm Springs in California. And man, there's no grass out there uh, unless you're on a golf course. And I wasn't there to be on a golf course when me and the wife, uh, unfortunately, visited the part of Vegas, even though we liked so much more outside of Vegas because we didn't like Vegas itself, Sin City. And it really is but you get there and you don't see no grass it's it's a desert it's dry it's desolate you know and it's not like oh man there's a creek over here I can reach down here and get me some water you know we say we like the mountains of North Carolina man you can go over there and you can get you a little bit of that water as long as it's running at the right rate and and you can drink it and it's cold and it's pure but you're not going to find that in the desert and that was exactly where God had called the children of Israel to go he called them to a dry to a deserted to a lonely and desolate place so that they could learn obedience so they could learn obedience are we in the wilderness right now have we been there for 40 years do we have to stay there for 40 years you see see but the reality is that from here to where from here to the promised land was 11 day journey <laughs> but it took them 40 years and they still never got there and we're going to find out why it's because of what they lacked And what they did in the place of. So a place where they could learn obedience. Why do I say obedience? Well, we've talked about that. So this wilderness could be the place of refining. And in this refining, they could could freely choose to or not to be changed into his image. Then, then even, they even had the opportunity to meet and to walk with God in the same aspect that, that Moses did. You see, because Moses brought them to what? Because here's, here's what God told Moses. He said, hey, bring them down to the base of Mount Sinai. And he said, and tell them to wash your clothes. And on the third day, he said, I'm going to visit them. So what he wanted them to do was he wanted them to wash the filth of Egypt off of them. Is exactly what he wanted them to do so that when they come before him, that they're standing upright and they're standing in the statue in which that God had called them to. So here we are faced today with the same decision and it really becomes questionable if we get it right or not. So all throughout this journey of refinement, refinement, the children of Israel were oftentimes found complaining about the situations because they always reacted to the situation instead of acting on the spoken word of God. Yes, you heard me right. They were always reacting instead of acting. They always had something to say against the word that was spoken. So after God had freed Free them from Egypt in Exodus chapter 14 here. We, we, we will soon see that their first complaint was, was here. Chapter, chapter 14 verses 10 through 12. Watch this. He said, as Pharaoh approached, now this was as soon as they came out. We're just following a little monologue here. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked. When they saw the Egyptians overtaking them, they cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? Why have you done this to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? I mean, you see how many complaints... That just came out of their mouth. But what did God do? God brought them out of a place of slavery. And he wanted to free them from slavery. But in the process of, of, of after he's freed us from a penalty of sin. Now listen listen to this. After he's freed us from a penalty of sin. Lord I, I accept you and i receive you into my heart. Lord please forgive me of my sins. Please forgive me of my unrighteousness. Please forgive me. Of doing life my way. And then the next thing that God wants to do is now he wants to free us from a bondage of sin. See, because this is what he just did for the Egyptians, not the Egyptians, the children of Israel. He freed them from a bondage of sin. Now he wants to free them. Well, he freed them from, sorry, I got it backwards. He freed them from a penalty of sin. he freed them from a penalty of being a slave. And now he wanted to free them from a bondage of it. Because they still had what? They still had a slave mentality. And they they were held captive for over 400 years as slaves. And, and so that's why we always say it's so good to take your kids to church. Let them hear about the goodness of God. Let the Holy Spirit deal with them at a young age. Because we've heard the old saying, you can't teach an old dog what? New tricks. And it's hard because our hearts become hardened. When we have heard, after we hear the word of God, but if it's not been heard time and time and time again, you see, here we go back to a time when I was 10, 11, Twelve, I, I felt like that I was at the altar every Sunday or every other Sunday because I felt like I needed to get saved again. See, but the reality is, is that, that my conscience w- was, was, was being purified and, and God was calling me at such a young age. And, 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 and I just felt like that everything that I did was contrary to God's word. Now, it wasn't that I picked up the Word and read my Bible every day at the age of 12 years old. It's just that I heard the preaching. I heard the ministering. And in the altar call, you know, tears would just begin to flow from my from my face onto my little fat cheeks at the time. And the Holy Spirit would be dealing with me so strong. You see, but now you have... 30-year-old, 40-years-old, 50-years-old, whatever the age may be, and they don't hear the Word of God. And and they don't know what it is like to feel that conviction of the Holy Spirit to knowing that I've heard the Word, I've looked in the mirror, and I know that I've gone astray and seeing, seeing what society has taught them today and what some churches has taught them today. You see, Jesus even said this in Matthew chapter 24-25. chapter 25. He said that in the last day that there would be false prophets. Well, what was a prophet? A prophet was the mouthpiece of God. And, and there's been so much false teaching today. That you can live however that you want to live. But did we not just read it last week that Jesus said that if you have not considered the cost, you cannot. That means it's impossible. It's impassable that you cannot be my disciples. You cannot be my follower. And, And I'm just telling you what the word of God is saying. The word of God will not contradict itself. Neither will the Holy Spirit contradict God's written word. And sometimes it's so hard for people to realize. Let me continue on here. They complain and they complain, so you can see what they did that they did not understand that God wanted to free them from a bondage of slavery, and He wanted them to realize that they could be they could be free from a slave mentality. Turn over again with me to Exodus chapter 16. Then the whole community of of Israel set out from Elam and journeyed into the wilderness of Sin between Elam and Mount Sinai. They arrived there on the 15th day of the second month. How long? One month after leaving the land of Egypt. So now here we are one month later and watch what they're still doing verse 2 there too, the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron if only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt they moan there we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all of the bread we wanted but now you have brought us to the wilderness to starve us all to death do we not remember who Moses was Was Moses' grandfather not the richest man in the world, Pharaoh? And he had all the finer things of life. But not one time do we read in Scripture that Moses said, Hey, Lord, you know what? Instead of listening to these complaining people, I think I'd rather be back in Egypt. Not one time did he say, I would rather be back in Egypt. But here we are, people that, that, that was slave, but all they could think about was their bellies being full. All they could think about was that plentiful. And Moses didn't think about the plentiful. You see, because as we get later on in Scripture, you know, God had got to the point. He's like, you know what, Moses? He said, I'm going to send a choice angel, and I'm going to send him to you. And, we're, and you're, he's going to lead you into the promised land, but I'm not going to go. And you know what David? You know what Moses' reply was? Lord, if your presence isn't there, then I don't want to go. You see, because if the Egyptians, if the I'm sorry, if the children of Israel, if 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 they they would have took they would have took that opportunity. To be without God's presence. But see Moses had a revelation. You see and what happened here is we just spoke about. Is that he had a revelation of who God was. But the children of Israel. Did not have a revelation of who he was. Because they constantly complained. But yet Moses walked in a way. That was thankful. Because he had that revelation. Follow me one more time to Exodus chapter 17. It might not be one more time. Verses 1 through 3. At the Lord's command, the whole community of Israel left the wilderness of Sinai and moved from place to place. Eventually, they camped at, at that place right there. <laughs> uh, um, I'm not even going to try to butcher it. But there was no water there for the people to drink. So once more, the people complained against Moses. Give us water to drink, they demanded. Quiet, Moses replied. Why are you complaining against me and why are you testing the Lord you, you see what complaining does here it's testing the Lord you see we've only been commanded in scripture to test the Lord in one way and that was with our tithe and our offerings to see if he won't pour out a blessing in which that we can't contain but yet Moses had to remind them that why are you testing God but tormented by thirst they continue to argue with Moses Why did you bring us out of Egypt? Are you trying to kill us, our children, and our livestock with thirst? As time rolled on, we continue to see that time after time, their words and their actions proved that they didn't want to be free the same way that God wanted them to be free. Turn with me one more again. Yeah, I said one more again. Numbers chapter 14. Then Moses said to then then excuse me then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron how long must I put up with this wicked community and its complaints about me Yes I have heard the complaints the Israelites are making against me now tell them this as surely as I live declares the Lord I will do to you the very things I heard you say You will all drop dead in this wilderness, in this dry, deserted, lonely place. Because why? Because you complained against me. Every one of you who is 20 years old or older and was included in the registry will die you will die in your complaining. We've all seen these people that all they do is complain. You stand at the grocery store. You stand in the line at Walmart. You stand in the line at Sam's. You listen to people in the aisle. You even get on the radio and what do you hear? You hear people complaining. People are not content. And you know what that just really means? They've not had a revelation of what they should be thankful for. Let me continue on here. Verse 30. You will not. He, he, Jesus said this last week. You will not. And now God is speaking to Moses to, to the people. He said, you will not enter and occupy the land I swore to give you. I promise you if you clean your room, I'll take you to Dairy Queen. I gave you a promise. I gave you my word. But the reality is that you've not met your end of the deal. If you will live wholeheartedly, if you will be thankful, if you if your actions or if you would express your gratitude to God, you will, you will, you will. So let's continue here in verse thirty, second part. The only exception will be Caleb's son of Jephaniah and Joshua's son of Nun. You said your children would be carried off as plunder. Well. I will bring them safely into the land, and they will enjoy what you have despised. But as for you, you will drop dead in this wilderness, in your complaining, in this dry, desolated place. Verse 33. And your children will be made like shepherds, wandering in the wilderness for what? For 40 years. you, you, you know what that. Tells me that our complaining, our lack of being thankful, our lack of of having that revelation, is that means our kids are going to wander as well. He didn't say that they were going to die, but he said, okay, well, now they're going to wander around for 40 years. For 40 years. See, could could we imagine driving around in our car for 40 years? I mean, it just... (laughs) We couldn't understand that because we don't have to do that. We can get in our car and in an hour we'll be home. We can get in our car in twenty minutes. We can be home. And we thinking about wandering around in the wilderness. So, so he told him that you're gonna you're gonna live in a constant life of 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 of, of a, how would you say this? You're gonna live a your children are gonna live a constant life of barely getting by not having everything that they need. He said, And in this way they will pay for your faithlessness until the last of you lies dead in the wilderness. Verse 34, Because your men explored the land for 40 days, you must wander in the wilderness for 40 years, each year for each day, suffering the consequences of your sins. Now let's just stop and let's think about this. Did he not just compare or really say that complaining is sin? Guilty. Guilty Guiltiest charge. It doesn't matter if it's the little complaint or the big complaint. A complaint is still what? It's still sin. I'm just I'm just telling you what the Bible is saying here. Then you will discover what it's like to have me for your enemy. You know, if God has always been on my side I'd hate to know that he's not on my side. In verse 35, he said, I, the Lord, have spoken. Exclamation point. So if we really said that, he said, I, the Lord, have spoken. I will certainly do these things to every member of the community who has conspired against me. They will be destroyed here in the wilderness and here they will die. So God lumped their complaining in the same bracket as disobedience. It's the same thing, you know. What you know? What complaining sounds like to God? God, if I was you, I'd do it this way. How could we? How could we? How could we ever have the audacity to ever say that? But that's the reality of of when we complain, when we're complaining against God. Oh Lord, why you got me in this situation? Why are my kids acting the way that they're acting? But how about instead of what Jesus said that that Here's what the scripture says. We begin to prophesy the word over our family, over our life, over our situations. So if God, if I were you, I would do it differently. Isn't this the dangers of trying to be God-like instead of being in his image? This is trying to be God himself. So God orchestrated on so many levels to refine them, but they constantly refused they failed to show an attitude of gratitude for all that god had done for them and all that he wanted to do he wanted to take them to extraordinary but they were still held captive by the ordinary and god wanted to take them to that but you know god's a perfect gentleman and he will never force himself on us now he can make us wish that we had but he will never make us do anything that we want to do. So we can, we, can we, we as individuals, we can be found riding on that same bus. Just as the children of Israel complaining kept them from receiving the heart of God, it will keep us from the more and the extraordinary that God has called us to. David knew this, though. You see, David, you know why David knew this? Because David had that revelation, and as we read in in Psalms, and, and I believe it was David that wrote this, he said that that those that walk in the fear of God are the friends of God. You see, because 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 when I'm friends with someone, I begin to reveal myself to them. I will share. My intramost thoughts, I will share my secrets with them. And David had an understanding because David had a revelation because David understood who God was and who he was in his life as we read that in Scripture. So, and as David knew this, not because he was perfect, but because he remains faithful in every situation. See, he wasn't perfect. He committed adultery he He had adultery with Bathsheba you see David killed a giant, but yet he succumbed to his sexual addictions. You see and the giants that we've not faced are the ones that we're going to fall down to and David didn't face this in his life, but you know what David was repentful and david David remained in a heart of gratitude so so uh was he not known as a man after God's own heart? What was God's heart? A place where his presence could dwell. And that was building a temple for God. First Thessalonians chapter 5. We're getting, we're getting really close. It said, Be thankful. Notice the underline. In all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Paul didn't say be thankful for all things. He said be thankful in all things. No matter the situation, no matter what's coming against you, Lord, I give you things. I give you praise because, Lord, we know that the tables could be turned and we know that it could be worse than what it is. But, Lord, you are supreme. You are in control, Lord. Everything that we have, everything that we touch, Lord, is already yours and we thank you for it. Instead of, Lord, I don't have enough money in my bank account to get to work this week. I can get to work this week, but I'm going to have to choose not to eat lunch. Lord, I thank you for that piece of bread that I was able to bring today. You know, so Lord, instead, you know, so Lord, here's, here's where my attitude's going to change. Lord, instead of, instead of complaining about not having the food, Lord, I'm going to sacrifice what food I can eat this week. And I'm going to fast for you. That's an attitude of gratitude. That's that's moving and understanding and having that revelation. You see, but everybody's not gonna get this. And in closing today, I want to point out point out an absolute truth that may be a fairy tale to so many people, but since it was recorded in God's book, in his word, then we have to choose. Whether we believe it or not, but it still doesn't change the fact that it is truth. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 15. In closing here today, right on time. Verse 32. Then Jesus called his disciples and told them, I feel sorry for these people. They have been here with me for three days and they have nothing left to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry, or they will faint along the way. Verse 33, the disciples replied, Where would we get enough food here in the what? In the wilderness for such a huge crowd, are are, are we beginning to see the similarities here that Jesus was stuck in the wilderness? Did we not open up with Luke chapter 3 this morning that where the Spirit of God led Jesus to the wilderness for 40 days? And and all through that, Jesus spoke the word of God every time that Satan came against him. And as we finished it, we understood that, that, that Satan left him alone until the next opportunity. You see, if we were as determined as the devil was. You see, but, but, but we, just, we get so caught up in so many other things. Let me keep going on here. Verse 34, Jesus answered, How much bread do you have? They replied, Seven loaves and a few small fish. Now, I don't want us to get this mixed up with the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. This happened shortly after the 5,000 where he fed 4,000 so verse 35 Jesus told all the people to sit down on the ground be still and know that I am God then he took the seven loaves and the fish and then he did what he thanked God for them and he broke them into pieces He gave them to the disciples who distributed the food to the crowds. They all ate as much as they wanted. Afterwards, the disciples picked up seven large baskets of leftover food. Don't we know that God doesn't waste anything? See, because they could have just left in there, but God don't waste anything. And see, when God's done, there's more left than what was started with. (laughs) I wish somebody would get that this morning. When God finishes what he started, there's more than what he started with. Because he does what? He's a God that multiplies things. And he wants to multiply in our life. And there's so many things that, that we could kick off uh, through the through the scripture that was just read, but there's a couple things that I want to point out to you here. Give me a few more moments. Number one, Jesus had compassion for those that were hungry and willing to follow him. Y'all hear that? Because it, it said it said his heart. Went out for the people because he knew that they had followed him for three days and they had little food to eat. You see, and what that told me is that when I sat down, the Lord just began to minister to me. He said that I have compassion for those that are hungry and those that are willing to follow me. Number two, the second point I want to bring out here is their location was in the wilderness, a place where resources were scarce. Jesus did not allow his placement to determine his faith. It's not about your season. It's about how much or, or is it about it's not as about your season and as much as it is about your relationship. You see, because your placement doesn't determine what God can do. But when we begin to complain about it, then that's exactly where we're going to die is in our complaining. We're going to die in this dry place. We're going to die dry in a desolated place because we've allowed our placement to determine our faith. So I want you to hear this one more time before we move on. Jesus did not allow his placement to determine his faith. It's not about your season as much as it is about your relationship. Number three. Regardless of the lack of, Jesus still gave thanks and displayed it by his actions of passing it out. See, because he only had seven loaves of bread and a few small fish. But yet, if if his eyes would have been focused on the multitude of people then that's where his faith would have been. His faith would have been turned into doubt. It would have turned into fear because the opposite of faith is fear. But regardless of the lack, Lord, I don't have but a few dollars in my pocket. But you know what, Lord? When I begin to distribute it the way that you lead me to, it's going to be more than enough than when we started. So regardless of the lack of, Jesus still gave thanks. And displayed it by his actions of passing out. A heart that is focused on the source will never lack in resources. A heart that is focused on the source will never lack in the resources. Give us a little music and turn it down, baby. You know, so oftentimes I look back at myself. Now that I stand in a situation, now that I stand before God knowing that complaining is sin. see the scripture in the New Testament says that life and death is in the power of your tongue Lord as your word gets really real here today Lord and as your word speaks to me as it ministers to us Lord, we stand not before you as perfect. But Lord, we want to stand before you as thankful. Lord, and everything that you've displayed in your word for us is how we should live. Lord, and we know that it is a process. But Lord, we've understood today, Lord, that In the wilderness, Lord, that they had a a choice, Lord, to be grateful or to complain. Lord, and because of their complaining, that's where they remain. But, Lord, I want to move on into the promise. Lord, it's not that I mind the wilderness, because your wilderness is teaching me obedience. But Lord as we look forward to the promise we must realize Lord that complaining doesn't take us there. It keeps us from it. So Lord we choose you this day Lord that we will serve you. Our expression of gratitude Lord towards you today will be in the words that we speak from here forward the life that we will speak into others Holy Spirit I ask you right now please keep us reminded that complaining keeps us from receiving the extraordinary from building the temple that you've called us to build as David understood, Lord, that it would have to be thanksgiving. Lord, we thank you in all things, regardless of what it is, no matter how it may present itself. Lord, as we stay reminded today, Lord, Lord, that our location doesn't determine our faith, Lord, help us to be more like Jesus in everything that we do, everything that we say. Lord, we're tired of Egypt. Lord, and we're tired of the mindset of Egypt. But well, Lord, we know that the wilderness is four seasons. season does not dictate who you are Lord once again Lord forgive us of complaining forgive us of a mindset Lord of a slavery mentality Lord we choose you this day and we thank you that you will keep us reminded in Romans chapter 12 Lord We're reminded, Lord, to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Lord, You leave us in charge of renewing our mind. We bless Your name today, Father. We glorify You. We thank You for the words that You've spoken here to me today. A word, Lord, that is not inspiration. but a word of revelation Lord that we may see what you're saying bring us back safely Lord as you see fit we thank you Lord and we glorify you in Jesus name Amen thank you Lord Tithe offerings if you've not already given Thank you, Lord.